Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. U.S. presidential candidate Nikki Haley, meanwhile, speaking one-on-one with Bloomberg's Alex Steele right now at the American Energy Security Summit in Oklahoma City. Let's listen in. You said floodgates. Floodgates to me seem to be that all the guys are out here are going to go and they're going to pump a lot of oil right away. Is that what you mean by floodgates? I think that we need to understand that we don't ever want to be dependent on anyone else. If you look at the situation we have, look at how slow the permitting is. We need to speed up the permitting. We need to allow the pipelines. And let's start by what we can do quickly. We know that if we go to power sites and industry sites, those are the first places we can go to start permitting those pipelines quickly. Let's get the EPA out of the way. Let's stop demonizing producers. And what I want to do is partner with producers. Mm -hmm. There is a way to do this well. There's a way to use innovation. There's a way to do it in a clean, safe way. But you don't do that by pushing the ones that are helping you away. You do that by coming together and looking at the innovation we have. And we've seen a lot of innovation, but there's more that can be had when we start partnering as opposed to demonizing. So this leads me also to part of your uh, your economic plan that you unveiled on Friday also. And part of that is repealing the $500 billion of green subsidies, right? But a lot of oil producers in this room like those subsidies because they're also partnering and doing things with carbon capture and storage. How do you, how do, you do both? Well, first of all, you have to, I've never been a fan of corporate subsidies. I just haven't. But I think what we do also have to understand is there are certain parts of the industry that get subsidies. And so you don't stop one part of the industry from getting subsidies if you can't stop all parts of the industry from getting subsidies. So So we- Subsidies for all or subsidies for nobody? Well, you know, if you've got ethanol, we're not gonna stop for ethanol while we allow for oil. We're not gonna stop for oil when we allow for ethanol. So what do we do? We need to find a measured approach. And the measured approach is how do we become energy dominant? And the way we do that is it's not just a free-for-all with everyone, but you pull the rules back, pull the regulations back, pull the bureaucracy back, and empower the producers. Mm -hmm. Give them reasons to want to invest. Right now, why would a producer want to invest? Because they know that these regulations and rules are going to tear them down. What we need to do is not make producers any more dependent on government, but let them tell us what they need from us to be dominant. And that's when we'll start to see the solutions that we need. So you would keep sort of some of the energy subsidies in terms of, say, uh, carbon capture or carbon management? We want carbon capture. That's a great thing. We want to make sure that we do that. And that's something that that it's a win-win all the way around. So where we can find those win-wins, we're going to continue to do that. But we don't need to do the things like what we saw in the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, here, Joe Biden, I mean, God bless him, he wants to put, he wants all cars to be electric by 2030. Think about that for a Mm -hmm. second. First of all, you're looking at the fact 70% of the electric vehicle batteries are made in China. But more than that, we don't have the infrastructure for it. And I'm not just talking about charging stations. Mm -hmm. Electric vehicles are heavy. Our roads and bridges wouldn't be able to handle it if you suddenly made Mm -hmm. all of those electric vehicles happen by 2030. So let's look at it in a whole situation. It's not that we don't want electric vehicles, 
but we better make sure we've got the infrastructure to manage that before you start mandating it on everyone. So I love that you went to China and EVs. That was in my list, but a little later. Uh, because part of it is, uh, the EU, for example, is looking at uh, restricting EVs from China into the EU because China's making really cheap cars and they're just dumping it in Europe. But if we don't help uh, elevate EVs here, China can just do the same thing here. Well, I think what we have to do is say, what are we going to do to start making sure that we're making the batteries here? What okay. we don't want to do is give a windfall of money to China. I think that Europeans are worried about that exact same thing. So let's go and make sure that we are making American-made as much as possible. And when it's not American-made, it should be from a friend, not an enemy. We see that same thing when it comes to, you know, what's happening with Russia. Mm -hmm. You know, we're enriching so much. Russia's enriching, enriching half of the world's uranium. And when you look at that, what does that mean for us? Over a billion dollars is going from us to a Russian government company. And you look at one out of every 20 American families and businesses is dependent on that Russian uranium. So right now we have permits that have gotten approved in Ohio and New Mexico. We need to get those up and going. Mm -hmm. That would reduce it by 75%, but we've got to keep going on that. These are the things that I'm talking about. The first thing with national security that you always do is say, what do you do to make sure that if your enemies pull the rug out from under you tomorrow, you would be ready? American energy is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. And getting Russia, China, Iran, and Venezuela out of the mix is the first thing we should do. You're one of the only, only candidates who talk really hard about the budget deficit and really reducing it. You mentioned the, the entitlement programs, right? How do you do, though, everything that you just outlined without spending a lot of money? Because you are taking into account that we would just keep the budget the way it is. The first thing, you have to look at the fact that we're $33 trillion in debt. We're having to borrow money just to make our interest mm -hmm. payments. China owns some of that debt. I have said for a long time, I would love it to be able to say, oh, Biden did that to us. Well, he sent us down this socialism creep, but our Republicans did that to us too. You look at that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill that they passed with no accountability. They expanded welfare, giving us 90, almost 100 million Americans on Medicaid now, 42 million Americans on food stamps. And then you turn around and you look and did Republicans try and make it right? No, they opened up earmarks and pet projects for the first time in 10 years, pushing through 7,000 of them last December. Mm -hmm. We have to start focusing on cutting the spending. The way you do that is we, I put out my economic plan mm -hmm. last week, we're going to focus on the middle class. We're going to reduce the taxes for the middle class and we're going to collapse those brackets so that they have more cash in their pocket. We're going to cut the federal gas and diesel tax because we know right now the small portion that comes from the federal government also pays for hiking trails and, and bike trails and everything else. We need to make sure that we start looking at an infrastructure plan that's 20, 30, 40 years out, not from the old archaic system that we've always mm -hmm. used. And let's go to zero-based budgeting. Government needs to say, what do we have to have? And then build up instead of what you're talking about, which is you just assume everything we paid for last year, we're going to pay again and then add more to so you it. You can still have all the stuff. You just need to start... Let's, pro zero. let's prioritize mm -hmm. what we have to have. There's a lot of old programs. There's a lot of problems that we have in that. When we do that, and then let's look at, you're seeing a government shutdown conversation that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a false narrative to say that the Freedom Caucus is holding things hostage because they want to cut 
or do you allow the government to go forward? First of all, you cut and you allow the government to go forward. You can have both, not either or. Think about this. Congress has, has proposed a budget on time four times in 40 years. Four times in 40 years. We have to go back to no budget, no pay. If Congress mm -hmm. can't produce a budget, Congress doesn't get paid. We should not be in this scenario, but because they wait and they don't work and they don't produce results, we end up in the same situation over and over again. It's, That'll stop when I'm president. It's also been shown that government shutdowns hurt both parties. Have you talked to leadership at all, particularly as you guys are headed into the second presidential debate? I haven't talked to leadership. I've talked to all of Congress saying it is irresponsible and inexcusable that you would let government shut down. And what's the response? It is also irresponsible and inexcusable to not cut all of the spending. They are using our budget and keeping it in pandemic spending. We're no longer in a pandemic. Why are they still spending mm -hmm. at those levels? Taxpayers can't afford so it. So what's their response when, when you say, guys, get it together? I mean, they need to get in a room and figure it out. We're going to find out, I guess. Uh, but uh, d are you worried that this is going to harm the party? This is going to harm taxpayers. It's not about the party. Taxpayers already can't afford groceries and gas. They can't afford buying a home or buying a car. And now you're going to say, oh, we can't figure it out. We're going to shut down government. That's not okay. You, you don't get to mm -hmm. do that. Instead, you have to start cutting what you spend. Why is it everybody in this room balances a budget? I balanced a budget as governor of South Carolina. Why is Congress the only group that refuses to balance a budget? It's the reason we have to have term limits in Washington, but it's also the reason we need them to start doing their job. Taxpayers and businesses work for government right now. So, Government's yeah. got to start working for them. So let's circle back to the everyday American. And um, Governor DeSantis talked about um, uh, pledging to get gasoline prices to $2 in his first year. You talk about scrapping the gas tax and the diesel tax. Do you think we can get to $2 uh, a, a, a gallon? Like, would you support that? How would you do that? Well, I didn't propose that. Right, but he did. So would you match it? I don't propose what he, I don't support what he proposes. Okay, so I that, came out with my own. So that, so that wouldn't be something that you could commit no, to? No, no. I mean, I think what we do is we focus on the taxpayers. How do we get more cash in the taxpayer's pocket? Let's eliminate the federal gas tax and diesel tax, and let's start coming up with an infrastructure plan that can manage what we need in the next decades going forward. That's the, that's the focus I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on strengthening the middle class. That's where we have to focus. Right now, we're watching in America where the poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer, mm -hmm. and we are losing that middle class. We're going to focus on the middle class. Well, considering that $2 gasoline means like $45 oil, everyone here is pretty happy that you uh, are going to support that one, I bet. Um, okay, so let's get you talk a lot about China as really the, the, the crux of China then becoming your economic policy, right? Like combating China, how do you manage that? If we're all going to eventually transition and get to cleaner fuel, how do we flex our muscle in China and India to get them to also reduce it? How do you do that? So by winning. And so I'll tell you the first thing that we need to do in terms of with China and Russia is we've got, let's take, or India, sorry, let's take India. They have millions of people right now without electricity. They need clean, cheap electricity that they can start doing with their country. They have doubled the number of coal producing plants that they have, which is a problem. 
That's why we need to be doing more in America. We need to be exporting as much liquefied natural gas as we can. India is going to be a friend of ours. India is worried about China. They just gave themselves a billion-dollar stimulus to become less dependent on China. Let's partner with them. So not only are we exporting liquefied natural gas to the Europeans, let's do it to India as well. That's when it's a win-win. We have it. Let's share it. That's the goal, and that's how we would handle India. With China, you, you beat them. What I saw at the United Nations, there were two things our enemies never wanted us to have. They never wanted us to have a strong military, and they never wanted us to be energy independent. Let's be energy dominant. That's how you defeat China. What energy dominance? Like, what of the energy mix? All the stuff? Well, just oil be, and gas? So I think we should be all of the above energy while also focusing on innovation that allows us to continue to be cleaner and safer in that process. The problem is when you start picking what kinds of energy, that's when you're picking winners and losers. Let's do all of it. I want us to be energy dominant. I don't ever want us to have to lean on an enemy or, or have to be dependent on a foreign country mm-hmm. for our energy needs. Not when we're this blessed. And, and, and you're one of the only ones up there that talk about actual climate change. So you are a proponent of wind and solar. Like, I, you, you want them all. What, what would be a good um, mix, energy mix for you after your first term? First of all, I do think that climate change is real. I think we have to acknowledge that it's real. But I also don't think we go so extreme that we say we have to do all these things by X year. Instead, that's where the partnership in this room comes. They know innovation better than anyone else. We know what we can do to start finding those ways of capturing carbon, of making sure that we're becoming, we do the fusion so that we can start getting a net energy plus in the process. These things are starting to come out. Now let's just go and make that happen. But yes, I believe in wind. I believe in solar. I believe in all of those things because I think all of those are part of how we become healthier as an environment and healthier in teaching the countries around the world what else we're doing. At the end of your first term, how much of of energy mix is renewables? How much does it grow by? I don't think that's for me to decide. I think that's for the industry to decide. That's where we have to come together. We have to say, what can we do that's safe, that's clean, that's affordable, that helps taxpayers? The problem is you need to have a president that understands you've got to have an energy community that's going to say, well, this is what we can do, or we can propose this, or let's pull this innovation in. Right now, you're treating them like second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. They're experts. We need to use the experts. And if I go and say, this is how we want to make sure we reduce emissions, how do we get there? This is the group that tells us how we get there, not government bureaucrats, not regulators. They're not going to tell you how to get there. They're just going to squeeze you to the point that you don't have energy to start with. You got a lot of attention there when you said that. Uh, When when you're taking a look at, say, unleashing the energy dominance, right? Labor is still a really big problem. Um, I was talking to Doug Lawler of Continental, and he's like, labor is still really tight. So even if you wanted to sort of innovate and pump a lot of money into stuff, you can't. We don't have the labor for it. How do you get there? How do you get skilled, quality labor to this industry? Well, you know, you always have to. In South Carolina, we went from a state that was making textiles that all went overseas, and we had to get used to, when I recruited in, we were then building planes and cars and tires, Mm -hmm. and we had to retrain our workforce. And the way we did that was we worked through our technical schools 
to start focusing on the new jobs that we had and how we could get them back on track. We need to do that. We need to make sure that we're filling the jobs that we need. And you do that by reskilling. And then you also look at the fact that while we're looking to close the border, and we need to close the border because there's more lawlessness that we've seen in a long time, you also look at legal immigration. And when you look at legal immigration, we have to stop the way that we do quotas based on numbers. We'll take X number this year, X number next year, and start saying, what do our industries need that they can't fill? So think construction, think farming, think tourism, think energy production, Mm -hmm. and then you bring it based on merit. When you bring it based on merit, that's when you build up our economy, instead of just focusing on what quota you're going to deal with from one year to the next. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so a minute left. I just wanted to ask you about your path. So we have the second uh, debate coming this week. Um, what is your path? Um, if, if Iowa doesn't go your way, for example, what is the Nikki Haley path now? What's the Nikki Haley path in 2028? Well, you're assuming that Iowa won't go my way. Um, we no, 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 done... no, no, I'm really not. I'm, I'm saying you've you got to have lots of plans. there got to be a spreadsheet there with lots of things going on. I have one plan. Um, <laughs> we have done I 85 events in Iowa, New Hampshire. We continue to do big events in South Carolina. The momentum is real. We're pushing hard. We're raising money. And we are working on... We're putting ourselves out there in the debates. And the support is strong. And so our goal is to have a strong showing in Iowa, have a strong showing in New Hampshire, have a strong showing in South Carolina, and finish this all the way through. We have to make sure that we don't end up with a President Kamala Harris. And right now, we are going down the path of getting a President Kamala Harris, and that should worry every single American. So if we're going to do that, the only way we win is with a new generational leader. I have had executive experience as a two-term governor. Mm -hmm. I've got foreign policy experience from having been at the United Nations negotiating with 193 countries. I know what we need to do to make America strong and proud again. I'm not going to stop until we get there. Can a moderate, reasonable Republican win the primaries? I think you are going to see a pro-American, tough-talking accountant suddenly go in there and say, you know what, let's get our debt on track, let's control law and order, let's get these borders closed, let's make sure that we get transparency back in the classroom, and let's put China, Russia, and Iran, Venezuela finally in their place so that America can be strong. Yes, I can do that. That was U.S. presidential candidate Nikki Haley speaking with Bloomberg's Alex Steele in Oklahoma City. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.